This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone. Easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends. And then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to another edition of Sminty Fiction, uh, which, as a reminder, is a once a month thing that we do that has some more sound effects. It is ongoing. This is chapter 10.2 of Terminus. So if you haven't listened to all those, all those other chapters, you might want to do that, but I can't tell you what to do. Um, so that's that's up to you. Uh, and always, 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 always thanks to Christina who makes these amazing. So uh, as I mentioned in the last one, I guess I'm just not good at judging how long chapters will be. So sometimes the chapter's really short, sometimes they're really long. Um, so this one got split into two. Uh, so this is the second part of chapter 10. This is something I did in 2010 as part of NaNoWriMo. It's not really edited. Because uh, I kind of just wanted to, one, not put too much more work on me, but two, kind of get a like a, a, a sense of what was going on in Annie's mind in 2010. <laughs> um, so that's what we're doing. The content warning for this one, child endangerment, death, gun violence, uh, disease, and pandemic. No heights on this one. No heights on this one. That's always, I almost didn't even put that in, but I remember for The Last of Us Part 2, a lot of people say the scariest scene is the one, you know the one, uh, with the heights. Um, And I get it. Like, it's you're afraid of heights. Uh, That scene was, it was scary for me, and I'm not afraid of heights. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Um, But no heights in this one. Also, yes, disclaimer, 
I tried to be really accurate in a way that was probably not useful for anybody in terms of directions. Um, <laughs> but I did try to do it. Uh, you can yell at me if you want or, or just like gently point out my inaccuracies. Um, also, <laughs> I know that, uh, especially in the last chapter, not so much in this chapter, but it's not an accurate uh, depiction of a child and a child's stamina. But anyway, uh, recap. All right, so there's a virus. It's like largely wiping out the population. Uh, babies just aren't really being born. A new government has taken control uh, and they are leading alongside a religious group that is named ARM, and they just control all, all pieces of con contraception. And if a child is born, then they control where the child goes. And so Tilda ran off with her child illegally uh, and is now on the run from the government enforcers. It's been seven years they've been on the road, and now, like, winter is coming, as they say, uh, they have had many encounters with enforcers. Tilda was shot by one. They were found by a nice woman named Lynn who helped her recover. And Lynn revealed that um, there's a resistance group maybe in Kansas City and that there might be a cure to the whole thing uh, that they're working on. And that is where they're going. So in the last, in part one of this chapter, they, they had to transverse a very risky bridge situation, hence the heights uh, and just as a reminder, I know The Last of Us had not come out at this point, okay? I know it sounds very similar. <laughs> but <laughs> I just want to be clear. <laughs> but all right, that's where we are. We've crossed this dangerous bridge and they're moving further towards their goal, uh, further into the city. So let us get into the fiction. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. They were almost to the end of the ramp when Madison exclaimed softly in her ear, Dog! Twisting her head to the direction Madison faced while still pressing forward, unwilling to stay stationary, 
She at first thought the child was imagining things, delirious with sleep deprivation. But a yellowish blur moving at the riverbank caught her eye. A large golden retriever trotted along the riverbank, coat splotched with mud. It would stop abruptly, sniff something, and continue along, sometimes backtracking or lapping up water. Tilda could have watched the creature until it disappeared. Something about seeing a living thing in such a dead place was mesmerizing, but she forced her eyes away and followed the road as it banked left. What do you think he's doing here? Masson's question was muffled. Maybe he lives here, Tilda supplied quietly, more focused on putting one foot in front of the other. Madison didn't comment, possibly as thrown as Tilda at the sight of the animal, when everything else around them felt decayed and rotten and lifeless. The road curved again, intersected by a small road that led to what Tilda guessed was an industrial complex. She chose instead to keep on 23rd. It was a main road and a sign up ahead read downtown Kansas City. From her foggy recollection of the map Lynn had gifted to them, she remembered that the Liberty Memorial was just south of downtown. On the left, they passed a dilapidated and overgrown park. Madison swiveled his head, taking in the jungle around them. Tilda stepped over a felled lamppost, her legs feeling as if they could give out at any moment. But she didn't see anything around them that looked remotely safe for them to take a break in. They reached a main highway, I-35. A precursory survey of each direction bought up nothing. To the north were more buildings, the jagged maw of useless structures. To the south, there was less in the way of skyscrapers and city ruins and more greenery, but her gut told her to trust her memory. She opted for the southerling route, treading the closest edge. Keep an eye out for anything behind us, yeah? She requested, and Madison nodded his acquiescence. What am I looking for? He asked sleepily. Enforcers, for one. Besides them, Tilda smiled at his all-suffering tone. We're looking for something called the Liberty Memorial, Tilda told him. Or a place that looks like people live there, I guess. Nothing around them looked inhabited, now or in the past. No homes or businesses lined the highway. The ground was largely paved to her right. Across the way was a large field of green and brown and yellow. Her heart leapt at the next sign. Penn Valley Drive, Liberty Memorial, next exit. Anticipation intertwined with anxiety. She crossed eight lanes at a diagonal, turning to look over her shoulder, the sensation of being watched making her skin crawl. The road branched off to the left and Tilda took it, her senses ramping up. She saw no indication of anything that might preclude to her resistance, but she supposed they wouldn't still be around if they were that simple to find. If they existed at all. But it couldn't only be her, could it? Others must have escaped. There must be some that wanted to fight for their children. And the possibility of a cure had Tilda's blood humming in her veins. A mucky lake appeared to their left as they emerged onto Pin Valley Drive, its surface green with algae. Tilda might have mistaken it for a field of moss if not for the gleaming surfaces of water beneath tufts of virgin growth catching the sunlight. Opposite it was a red diamond of dirt, alien in its meaning now, a relic of an age long since past. The Liberty Memorial loomed before them in the distance, an obelisk slicing into the sky, surrounded by plains of green with patches of brown. Tilda decided to cut through the grass. In the scheme of things, it wouldn't make much difference in terms of a stealthy approach, but it would shave off time and distance. And since clothes covered her skin, she didn't have to worry about ticks or irritating brush at her ankles. But she did have to lift her feet higher and ruminate on their placement, both of which sapped her already waning strength. 
Several times a foot got caught in the undergrowth and almost sent her crashing to the ground. Her arms trembled with the weight of Madison, but she soldiered on. The monument in front of her, a beacon of hope, a compass needle for safety. A log snagged her foot and her knee impacted jarringly into the dirt. Her slowed reaction time preventing her from catching herself, tired arms never leaving Madison. It took a moment for her to gather her strength, and she struggled to her feet like one fighting invisible restraints, her blonde hair streaking across her face. Madison held to her more tightly as she regained her footing. She wavered for a moment, but she pushed on, her steps as if she treaded on ice instead of the loose gray dirt beneath her boots, dry grass crunching under her sole. She came to a marble pathway, deliberating her first step onto the smooth rock surface. Tilting dangerously at first contact, she reeled onto the white slab, correcting herself after several quick, staggering steps to the side. There was something unearthly about the giant white monument stretching out to the sky, with ivory pathways like spokes of a wheel all meeting at the base, and around it nothing but unkempt grass. Tilda shivered, tracing the obelisk ascent with brown eyes. Unsettled, she strode forward, tempering her pace. Tattered flags hung limply from poles, faded, on either side of the monument. Tilda, Madison in her arms, approached the monument, wary. In between the paths she traveled and the one directly across from her, a series of dark marble lines spaced evenly apart formed a conical shape, shortening in length as the spokes of the tower sloped downhill and culminating in, from Tilda's vantage point, a great circle of obsidian in the ground, surrounded by a semicircle of wide stairs. As they approached the circle, Tilda inspected the dark slab, attempting to divine the purpose. The surface, once glossy and smooth, now bore several deep gouges and reflected only dully. If ever any intelligent being came after the human race faded away, what would they make of things like this? The prosperous generation before HSV-5 were foreign to Tilda, and she again could not stifle the impression that she had stumbled on the ruins of an alien society. Dog, Madison murmured for the second time with the barest traces of incredulity. Sure enough, the golden retriever loped behind them about halfway up the path, panting. Tilda, while grateful the dog wasn't barking, hoped it would not keep following them. The risk involved too great. On opposing sides of the crater were two sphinxes of worn stone, their faces eroded and blank. Debating for a moment, Tilda dropped down the first step, wincing at the jostle to her back. She walked to the edge of the next step and hopped down and again and again until she reached the obsidian disc. The clatter of paws told her the dog was not far behind. He stared over the edge, observing them, but making no attempt to descend after them. Tilda moved to the edge of the disc, the unscathed portions on the surface like a black lake, still as glass, a portal to the night sky. There's a door behind you. Tilda whirled around at the sleepy decoration. Sure enough, there was a square entryway carved into the rock under the monument, with a plain black door in the center. Above the doorway was a rectangular slab of black marble, most of the letters washed away with time, but enough remained for Tilda to derive the phrase, return to dust evermore. Underneath the string of letters were carvings still discernible, though given a few more years, they may not be. They depicted two sets of people coming towards each other, but between them in the center stood a man with massive outspread wings, arms stretched wide. In his hands, he held something, but Tilda couldn't decipher it. A chill raced down her spine, and she held Madison more closely to her, not sure if she wanted to know what lay beyond the doorway. Tilda Nowen, 
Tilda whipped around at her name, shouted in a voice rough with both determination and jubilance. On either side of the crater stood two enforcers, a different pair than the ones they had ditched at the pharmacy. They hovered next to the sphinxes, the statues towering over them like guardians. Their guns were trained on Tilda. Put the child down, now, the one to her right ordered. Tilda wondered if they meant to shoot her once Madison no longer acted as a shield. Inadvertently, her gaze darted to the door. Don't move, the enforcer shouted, his command fierce. They wouldn't shoot, not while she held Madison, but they were circling around, strafing slowly away from the stone sphinxes to pin her in the entryway, leaving her nowhere to go, except through the door and whatever lay behind it. What if it didn't open, she thought, sick at the mere possibility of it, but she had to make her move soon. She backed slowly under the stone outcropping, her gaze roving from one enforcer to the other as they stepped down the first stair in tandem. Her back touched a cold, flat surface, steel instead of the wood she had expected. She reached a shaking hand behind her, the other arm trembling under the full brunt of Madison's weight. Sweat sheened her skin. The enforcers descended another two steps, cutting across diagonally, their arms unwavering, Madison breathed with tiny whimpers, trembling like a leaf in her grasp and making him harder to hold. Tilda fumbled behind her but could find no doorknob, no handle, nothing but metal frigid beneath her fingers. Panic rose inside her, drying her throat, making her dizzy and numb. Her knees threatened to give out. One of the enforcers grinned with cruel anticipation as he advanced down the final step. She jerked badly at the sound of a heavy bolt giving way, reverberating in the steel, and without warning, she was shoved to her left, landing heavily on her side as the door swung open. Before she could process this, three ear-shattering blams rent the air, blood spraying from the head of one of the enforcers and onto the marble as he dropped like someone who had just had a vital switch inside them flipped from on to off, his legs twisting awkwardly beneath him. The other caught the impact in the shoulder and crumpled first to his knees, blood pouring between the fingers of the hand that had instantly gone up to staunch the flow of red, raising the hand that still held the gun. But with a gasp, he collapsed onto his side, unmoving. Madison was screaming into Tilda's neck while she stared, stunned, at the two bodies strewn next to the sunken obsidian disc. She could barely hear him over the ringing in her ears. And then a face was right in front of hers, mouth moving. Almost choking on her shock, Tilda propelled herself backwards, smacking into stone, transfixed as more people emerged from behind the door she so recently had been desperate to open, producing tarps and dragging the bodies onto them and wrapping them up, leaving dark red streaks on the white rock. A hand jostled her shoulder and she tore her eyes away, trying to focus her steadily blurring vision. She offered only a token resistance as hands pulled her to her feet, leading her inside the square of black. A loud clunk behind her and the patch of light disappeared as the door shut. A heavy scraping of metal on metal signaled that the bolt had slipped back into place. There were stairs almost immediately and Tilda would have fallen if not for the hands keeping her upright. The stairs opened into a wide space with long rectangular tables in the middle and small rooms made with sectionals along the side walls. Hallways branched off to either side. The procession hurting Tilda took the one to the right. The cold and stale air only increased her dizziness as she sucked in shallow breaths. Her knee throbbed from the impact of her fall, fire licking at her joint with every step. They were led into the first room on their right, a large rectangular room with dark gray walls and small cots covered in faded white sheets. 
The hands guided her to the nearest bed, lowering her onto it. Her neck was wet with Madison's tears. Tilda stared blankly ahead, numb, until she felt someone trying to remove Madison from her arms. She reacted violently, kicking out and screaming, dropping off the bed and retreating to the furthest wall, turning to face those who crowded in the room with her. She could make out five people. None of them made any move to advance, but she darted her eyes between them, watching for any sign of movement. One of them spoke, but the buzzing in her ears had yet to fade away. Concentrating on blinking and reining in her breathing, her vision gradually returned to her, enough so that she could make out the people in the room with her. Three women, two men, all waiting silently for her to regain some composure. You with us? One of them asked, a tough-looking woman with tan skin, thin, dull brown hair, and dark eyes. Forcing herself to take deep breaths, Tilda nodded, poised to run even though there was nowhere for her to go. A broad-shouldered man with dark hair and a short beard spoke up. If you were looking for the resistance, you found it. Tilda felt no relief at that, and she had thought she would. In her mind's eye, she saw the blood spray from the enforcer's temple, the awareness in his eyes gone in an instant. One of the men bled from his upper arm, red leaking past the hand clenched over the wound. The third shot must have been for him. She had the sudden horrific epiphany that perhaps Madison had seen those two men murdered. Hugging him closer, Tilda whispered in his ear, Did you see? At first she thought he hadn't hurt her, but he shook his head into her neck. She sagged with relief. You need to sit down, a dark-skinned woman advised, so we can check the both of you out for injuries. I promise you, you're safe here. Tilda tried to remember what safety felt like, but she knew she was on the verge of collapse. Like a frightened animal creeping forward to accept food from an outstretched hand, Tilda moved to the nearest bed, the one furthest from the group of strangers. Who are you? The man with the bleeding arm eased onto a bed, wincing, and the woman who had just spoken began coaxing his fingers from the wound, pulling gauze from a drawer next to the bed and wrapping the wound with it. We're the resistance, the first man repeated, as if that explained everything. The blonde who had been the first to speak added acidly, We're the ones who just saved you from the enforcers. The last woman, tan-skinned with dark, curly hair past her collarbone, chimed in. Maybe it's names you want. Her brown eyes were kind. I'm Zuleika. That's Taylor, she indicated, the blonde woman. Marcus, the dark-haired man. Amelia, the woman finishing wrapping the wounded man's arm. And Adam. Marcus leveled his dark gaze on Tilda. And you are Tilda and Madison Nolan. How do you know who we are? You are priority number one, Marcus replied tonelessly. Arm has been broadcasting about you. They have enforcers scouring the continent for you, and you led them right to us. His cool accusation had Tilda wanting to take a step back, but she stood her ground. Taylor piped up, at least now we have something they badly want. Tilda sat on the edge of the closest bed, legs unable to sustain her for any longer. Madison showed no signs of wanting to let go of her, huddling in her arms. All of their eyes rested on him. Amelia stepped forward tentatively. May I check you over for any injuries? We're fine, Tilda dismissed gruffly. Your hands are bleeding, Amelia pointed out gently. To Tilda's surprise, the doctor was right. Her palms caked with crusty red. She must have scraped them when she fell. Clearing her throat, Tilda deflected. We just need some rest. 
For a moment, no one moved, but then Amelia disappeared in a room in the back, returning with two glasses of water. Tilda leaned away as she approached, but she just placed them on the bedside table. We'll leave. You rest. We can talk. She shot a meaningful glance at Marcus. Later. She ushered the others out the door and shut it behind them, flipping off the main switch so the only light emitted was from a lamp. Hands trembling, she reached for the glass of water and took a big gulp, nudging Madison with her shoulder and getting him to do the same. Wide, hazel eyes glowed up at her. Are we safe? Tilda couldn't answer, her whole body heavy like lead. Slowly, she laid them down on the bed, curling, her body one big bruise. Madison pulled himself into a ball, still in the shelter of her hold, and even though they were both terrified... They drifted to sleep. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And that brings us to the end of this chapter 10.2 section of our fiction. Um, And we are moving into the part I've been kind of hinting at that I'm excited to talk about because I tried to put romance in here, Samantha. (laughs) And I clearly, it was like the last thing I cared about and I didn't know how to do it. (laughs) Like it. I like it. So I'm excited to talk about it. Also, you and I discussed this recently. So we were introduced to a lot of nude characters in this chapter. Um. And you said, like, the way you choose names is you will look up, like, most popular names of a year. Yeah, right? I'll go down that list, yes. Yes. Well, I mine all mean something, and it's kind of pretentious and annoying, but all of them have, like, a meaning. Is it like, <laughs> that I looked up. she who should not be named naming her character? 
level? It's it's no, it's like literally you have to look up what that name means. But if you do, then it means okay. like to witness or something. Right. I mean, literal. So you're you're a little bit more literal. Yeah. 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 I've actually been working on I mentioned it recently, but uh, 13 Days of Halloween, which I know it's just May, but we we work on these very early mm-hmm. and the names in there. I was kind of I was waiting for somebody to be like, why did you choose these names? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, why? <laughs> you know, yes, I always look at the meaning and then it, even if it's like brings you out of the moment because you're like, oh, I know the meaning. <laughs> I'm really bad about it, but we're going to have fun talking about it. I can't wait. I can't wait. Until we get to the next edition. Thanks as always to super producer Christina who makes these happen. And if you would like to email us about this or anything else, you can. Um, our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I Never Told You. We're also on YouTube and we have a book coming out that you can pre-order at stephyoushouldreadbooks.com. Um, <laughs> thanks as always, yes, to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank y'all. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff on Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.